Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And thanks for having us on. And uh, later this week, we're going to be in Saskatoon with the Riders. Well, tomorrow and Wednesday. And then we head with the Riders to Winnipeg to wrap up the preseason on Friday. But today we begin our week of broadcasting here in the Sports Cage from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan for the 2023 World Para Ice Hockey Championship. And um, we're currently watching in the first period. It's China leading Norway one to nothing, and this is my first time watching this. I'll tell you what, man. I use "man" as a generic term. I tell you what, people. If you have an opportunity and you're in this area, whether it's Regina or Cinnaboya or wherever, and you're listening right now, in my listening audience, you got to get here. Very affordable tickets, and this is something that it's remarkable to watch. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure if we got on the uh, the blades, as it were, um, and went up and down the ice. We might be able to make it the length of the ice once before we'd pass out. The U.S. team, I don't know who they beat, but I saw some of their guys. I, I guess a lot of their dudes are military, ex-military guys, and their backs and shoulders, chest, just huge. They have their own area code. Um, I love how they've transformed the boards here in Moose Jaw. So the, the boards at the benches are see-through, obviously, because the players are at ice level when they're seated at the bench, so they got to be able to see the ice, what's going on. And then, of course, these boards are adaptable, so they can just they can just um, paddle their way right into the right into the bench at ice level. It's it's cool, man. And they are unbelievable athletes. And the goaltending is crazy. Like when you, you know, in, in uh, conventional hockey, when we say the goalie stood on his head, that's really a, a you know figure of speech they're literally standing on their head like diving back making plays then they got to reset themselves on their uh you know on their skates on the blade so to speak and they body check two guys just collided in the corner this is really exciting to watch canada will play their first game and unique to watch too canada will play their first game against korea tonight korea's 0-1 canada defending world champs are uh, playing their first game Wednesday night's the big one, Canada and the U.S. A lot of people think it'll be Canada and the U.S. for gold. But as we saw at the World Hockey Championship, that's not always the case. Canada won, but um, you know the likes of Germany and Latvia did really well. Latvia knocked out uh, the United States to win the um, bronze medal over in that tournament. Oh, and here we go. Norway trying to get in uh, behind the Chinese defense, but... Uh, the yellow-wearing Chinese uh, block it off, and they'll come up ice. And just the way they transition and pass the puck from hand to hand with their sticks—it's unbelievable. I can't—I know I'm using some of the same words, but it is my first time watching this. And uh, oh, what a great save! The goalie stretches out, 
almost like you know, like you'd say a a two pad stack, and then makes the stop. Great job by the Norway goalie. All right, so we uh, we uh, did have Rough Rider football on our airwaves. Uh, on um, I lost track now. What was that? That would have been Saturday night when the Rough Riders, the last game of a trifecta in the CFL, beat the BC Lions by a count of thirty to twenty-seven. All the Rough Rider quarterbacks looked pretty good. So on our days after games, what we do is we call it the uh, Rough Rider Rewind. We take you back into our audio archive and let you uh, hear some of the sounds from the preseason opener. Dane Evans takes the shotgun snap in both hands. Looking to his left, and he goes down in the quarterback sack. There was a meeting of the minds. Pistol Pete Robertson tackled, and the ball came out. It's still on the floor, and I think while the Riders are saying they have it, the Lions say they have it, what do the officials say? Of course the Lions are going to say they have it. And the Lions do have it, so Evans fumbles the football on the final play of the opening quarter. Out of the hole to Flintop. It's a 25-yard field goal from the right hash. The right foot through the football, and it goes through the yellow upright. So Legala behind Bandy. The center pushes forward. Did he get in? He did get in. Touchdown, Saskatchewan. Down by Dolagala. Here's Dom Davis. Throws over the middle. That pass is caught on the far right. Stakes, and then he losing the ball because he was stretching for more yardage. Was Giovanni Robinson, and the Riders have recovered the fumble. Korzak to hold on the far left hash. Number 74 holding for David Soley, the U of S product. The hold, the kick with the right leg is high, and this one is good. He missed an extra point from 32. He chips it in. Evans pumps. Can't find anybody. He's going to pull it down, throw, and it's caught in the back of the end zone by the global player. Giovanni Robinson was a basketball player. Got in a football late, and the Jamaican makes the grab for the touchdown. And that was the kickoff by Vedvik, and it's dropped by the BC Lion returner, and then he got absolutely KO'd. Tom Davis going down the right sideline. He's got that three, and he made the catch. And over the shoulder catch on the rainbow toss to the 40 of the Riders. And Lake Corte Moore, one of the DNs for the Riders. Their top draft pick coming on the rush. But here is a corner route thrown. Oh, and Everhart. What a spectacular play. It was a corner route to the near right side, and he made the catch. And Dane Evans keeps, and he pushes forward for the touchdown for the BC Lions. Play action from Davis. Dom Davis steps up. He throws one down the middle and it's intercepted. Deontay Williams steps in front of Ron Hunt. The white wristband on his left hand. He's going to throw this one down the right sideline. It's caught. Touchdown. Keith Corbin. The Patterson lifts his left leg, low shotgun snap, takes it in, throws off his back foot to the left, and it's caught! Damian Hawkins leaks out of the wheel round, two points! Have a man on his face, he has to pull it down, and then he got pulled down! That would be Christian Albright on the quarterback sack. Yeah. It throws underneath, and picked up by Varga, Ryder Varga! Oh. Walks in for a touchdown, and that's got to feel great for the LaBoldis Golden Sun, former Ram. Rodney Smith leaks out of the backfield, fine throws down the seam. A twisting catch by Satterfield inside the five at the three-yard 
Yards line. It's a gain of 25. Leaks out of the backfield. Moving to his right is fine. On the run. Throws. Back in the end zone. Touchdown. Saskatchewan. Mitch Pickton. Here's fine. Off his back foot down the left side. That's a great Walks draw. in with a fingertip catch on the corner That's route. Runs out of bounds inside the BC 19. The shotgun snap throws to the right. End zone touch. It's caught. Touchdown. Again. The Rough Riders 30. The BC Lions 27. Ah, uh, yes. It's a preseason win, but it's still a win all the same. Great to see Mitch Pickton with a couple of fourth quarter touchdowns. Great to see Mason Fine come back and show some resiliency after throwing that first pass interception that was picked off by Regina's own Ryder Varga and taken to the house for a touchdown. He comes back and leads the team to victory with two touchdown drives. Riders have some penalties to clean up, but uh, all in all, pretty good effort for the Rough Riders in their first game in 2023, albeit a preseason contest. Coming up after five, we'll hear from the coach, Craig Dickinson. But up next, let's hear from um, our defensive game star, Oklahoma State Cowboy, Colby Harvell Peel wears number 31 and had a pretty good game for our Rough Riders uh, last Saturday. This is the Sports Cage live from the uh, Para World Hockey Championships in Moose Jaw on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Moose John. We're here for the World Para Hockey Championships. First time they've been held in Canada, and it's in Moose John. We're happy to have them here, and we're happy to be a part of it here at 620 CKRM in the Sports Cage. Now, Canada plays tonight against Korea. It's Canada's first game, Korea's second, Korea's 0-1. Right now we're watching China take on Norway. They scored early into the contest, and we're tied... Well, sorry, it's one nothing China, and there's a tie-up in front of the net, and Norway's goalie will secure it, so it's still one nothing. Joined by Ryan Robbins with Hockey Canada, and um, I'll tell you what, man, this is the first time I've seen anything like this. You know, you see the videos when we have the announcement and everything like that, but let's be honest, it's not the same. You get here, it, I'm amazed It's it, at the athleticism and just how un, unique this sport is. No, 100% your response. Probably isn't abnormal to most fans when they see it for the first time, get appreciation. I think people see it on TV. It's kind of the same. It's from a camera view. It seems a little slower. But once you see it in person, how quick it is, how mobile, how skilled the athletes really are, shooting with one hand while being in a, a parasled, uh, it's really incredible to see. And even how physical it is, uh, I think people are surprised how much body contact. Yeah, and that's a good point, Ryan, because I saw a collision here in the uh, Norway zone in the near corner, and it's like, bam, looked like two cars colliding. Yeah, and it's, it, uh, I'm sorry, I wouldn't categorize it as violent, but just the nature of the event, how close they are to the ice when they run into the boards. An able-bodied player hits the boards, there's a little bit of give. Yeah. Just because they're that much closer to the ice, there's usually not that same level of give, so everything is a, has a little bit more contact to it. Wait, it's funny, like... Uh, I like how you put that there, but I think if you ask these athletes, they just want to be, they want it. They want to have that quote-unquote violence. They want it to be kind of like a conventional hockey game. All right, 100%. I think the competitive nature of the athletes, like this is this is no different than able body hockey in terms of what they invest into it, how they take care of their bodies, um, how they prepare for games, the competitive instinct they have when they're on the ice. 
It's very, very much the same. I uh, I heard about the U.S. team, and some people saw the U.S. I saw a couple of the U.S. guys, and I heard a lot of their team or former military guys, and they got the huge shoulders and backs and chest. I'll tell you what, I don't think, well, I can speak for myself. I played football back in the day. Yeah. I don't think I could go, and hockey too, I don't think I could go up and down the ice once without being gassed. Like, that is unbelievable what they're doing. No, I, specifically with U.S., I think a lot of athletes here, you see them pretty imposing physical stature. Um, but the conditioning and the upper body strength that these guys have, it's, it's one of those events um, or one of those disciplines that, because of the nature that you're in a sled, if you're not propelling yourself with your arms, like you're standing still. So it's a little different in the able body hockey where the athletes can find ice and save some energy here and there. Literally, if you're not moving on a sled, you fall over. Now, I don't know how much of an expert you are, but how, tell us about these sleds because there's some, there's some, uh, you know, uh, with one leg, there's some uh, with no legs. And, and so just talk about that for yeah, a minute. Yeah, I think there's different classifications of athletes in terms of what their disability may be, but you will see a number of different sled compositions where some athletes may not have use to their legs, but they still have um, both their limbs, where other athletes may have a single leg or some are W-leg amputees and are basically mounted in from their torso. But um, some of them are almost like snowboard or bindings like that in yeah. terms of how they ratchet in depending on how much mobility how much abdomen torso strength they may have so there's some different things but they're all most of them are aluminum when you see the u.s can a lot of like carbon fiber like yeah really really high tech sleds and significant investments in terms of the, the technology to make sure they're maximizing kind of their energy and speed what's neat too is they actually stop like you're on a pair of skates like the way they the way they stop it's it's kind of it's interesting and how about the goaltending too man when we use this phrase and i've done it hey the goalies ryan stood on his head what a save sometimes these guys are actually standing on their heads to make the same. Yeah, I think the best analogy I can be in a little older generation is maybe Dominic Hasek. Like, a lot of them are very athletic, and there's a lot of compete and battle in a lot of the stage, just based on the nature of kind of what their mobility and, you know, how athletic they do have to be. I, I think the other thing is just how hard they shoot. I think when people see this along with kind of just getting mesmerized by how quick and how much energy there is in the game, when they see people shoot from off their sled and maybe the best equivalent would be like mini sticks, but there's a lot of athletes can very easily shoot as hard as an able-bodied player, but from being in a sled. That's a good point. Like, it is kind of like mini sticks a bit, only a lot more. It takes a lot more talent, a lot more aggression oh, there for sure. Uh, Canada, U.S., would they be the two powerhouse teams here? Um, yeah, I guess from an event organizer perspective, yeah, I'm definitely hoping those, those are the yeah. two teams, but based on history and their ranking, they are the two top teams in the eight-team pool. Um, we're really hoping for a really good game Wednesday night between those teams, maybe a precursor if things go the way that they should um, for what's to happen in the championship games. But they will definitely uh, be a great rivalry. It's kind of equivalent to the women's game and our rivalry with our neighbors down south. But Canada and U.S. usually have really good games, really good matchups. There's a lot of um, intensity, and in, in that rivalry is inherent to it. You know, another thing that's uh, that might make me sound uh, ignorant or stupid, but it is remarkable, are the boards. Like the boards are see through at the benches, and they could just they could just glide into the into the bench. That's kind of neat, which you don't think about when you're watching the other kind of hockey. No, it definitely is. I think um, we've had a really good relationship with the city of Moose Jaw and the Moose Jaw Event Center here. They've obviously made an investment uh, investment to host this event, um, but this is a significant portion of it. They uh, all the player boards are see through plexi. Um, they've actually removed the benches, um, and the one thing that uh, is really important here is the transition on and off the ice. So it's almost seamless from on the boards as well as on the penalty box side. Um, but we actually put the same material that's on the boards 
that's what goes down on the player benches so they can actually glide. It's somewhat similar consistently ice. It's a little bit different, a little bit more friction, but so they can go right off the ice, right on the boards, and then seamlessly come back onto the ice once again. We just saw a great uh, shoulder check here on the couple of shoulder checks. If the guy gets off his sled, is it hard to get back on the sled from what you can tell? Is it hard to well, re, re, re-center yourself? Yeah, well, it's kind of what I said. They're mounted in there so they don't fall off their sled, but if they lose their edge, yeah, yeah it is a little bit like they're basically out of the play yeah and that's why it's kind of always perpetual motion like when you kind of have an opportunity to see it like every player is moving around the ice because if they don't they're either giving up time and space to another player to make a play or it's they're just out of the play that's unbelievable and uh in terms of the goaltending, I saw the goalie from Norway come way out to cover the puck, like, off to the side. Do they have any restrictions? Like, you know how there's that, that triangle in behind the net? Can they cover it anywhere? Yeah, there's no equivalent to the to the trapezoid in the, the para hockey game. Um, but I think a little bit, too, is mobility. Like, there's a lot of puck possession in this game, maybe a little bit more than able body hockey, because once you lose, it's that much tougher to get you're it back. back. So, so we yeah, don't see a lot of dump and chase is what you're telling me. Typically not. Typically not. There's a lot of puck pressure to, to take it over. But I think the one thing that's unique, like whether you're left or right-handed in able body hockey here, all the players are ambidextrous. So they got to be able to shoot stick, anywhere, yeah. Yeah, left or right. They stick handle, like, underneath their sled to gain possession using their body and their sled to basically protect the puck. So it's, it's interesting to see the really skilled players, how they can manipulate the puck and keep control of it. Now, maybe I'm putting you on the spot, and if I am, then just shoot me down. <laughs> who's our Connor McDavid on Canada? Like, who's the guy when we come to watch here tonight or when we play the U.S., who are we going to be watching for in Canada? Uh, well, I think we actually – I think one of the strengths of Canada is really the depth. I think we have a number of really good players, but um, – I think one of the players to watch is definitely our captain, Tyler McGregor. Mm-hmm. He's uh, been one of the stalwarts for Canada's team and will be one of the players to watch. But um, I think there's a lot of really good, skilled players here. I think maybe some players that might surprise a few. There's a couple on Team China. I think Germany had a really good performance. Um, the Czechs were really good earlier today, too. So I think there's a number of really good athletes here that um, the fans have an opportunity to come down and watch. Uh, we'll probably catch their eye. What a great save by the Norway guy. I think got a piece of that shot in tight. Um, lastly, before I let you go, Ryan, um, why, why is Moose Jaw a good fit for this? It's the first ever time it's been hosted in Canada. Why do you believe Moose Jaw was a good fit? Well, I think we talked about the venue here. The Moose Jaw Event Center, I think, is a state-of-the-art complex. I think it's been a really good home. Um, there are we, do, we are hosting eight international teams here, so just the sheer space and amenities here that we require in terms of dressing room infrastructure was a great fit. We're thankful for the Moose Jaw Warriors and the, the Generals team here that gave up their space that were able to accommodate all the teams. Uh, we're also really fortunate with the curling rink next door. We, the ice off that pad, we're using it as a, as a training center, warm-up space, as well as for meals, as well as some coaches' space. So it was really nice to have that infrastructure that we could take advantage of operationally in order to um, accommodate all the teams. And then everything from a media broadcast perspective has been really good situated for us. And uh, from a hockey perspective, we're really thankful the city of Moose Jaw and the Moose Jaw Event Center um, stood up when we came out for bids and had an opportunity to bring us here. But um, hotels have been great, transportation, um, none of the teams have flew into Regina International Airport, so it's worked out well in terms of logistics come together in a really short order. Awesome, man. Well, it's great to uh, see it. And if you have not seen this event, you got to come out and watch Canada plays Korea tonight, but the big one Wednesday, Canada and the U.S. Thanks for your time, Ryan. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, with that buzzer, you hear period one in the books, China leading Norway. We'll be back with more here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
All right, 332 with the sports ticker. What's happening in the world of sports right now? Well, Nick Nurse has reached an agreement to become the next coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Nurse, who, of course, won an NBA championship and a Coach of the Year award with Toronto, now gets to coach the 2023 MVP, Joel Embiid. So interesting there. And it's a big night in the NBA. Can the Boston Celtics become the first team in league history to come back in a series down three games and win? Well, it could happen tonight. Heat at Celtics. Game 7 in Boston, 6.30 p.m. And in the NHL, the Dallas Stars have their own little comeback in the making right now. They were down 3-0 in the series, but they have battled back with two straight wins and could tie the series tonight at home in Game 6. Vegas and Dallas at 6 o'clock. Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. Your coach of the week inside the sports cage goes to a position coach on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Offensive line coach Anthony Vitale and Michael Ball sat down and chatted with him. In your coach and a new group to you, how's it been going? It's been going good. The guys are working hard. They're engaged in the meetings and good tempo in practice. So we're having fun. They're working hard. We're getting better. Yeah. So talk about uh, some of the guys on that offensive line. Bringing a Phil Blake in. What does he bring to this group? Yeah, obviously the experience he brings, uh, not only the number of years that he's played, but having been in different systems, working with different people, just provides a depth of experience and knowledge that he can help uh, some of the young guys. And even some of the guys who have been around uh, just – see it how he sees it different ways dealing with different players it's been really neat to have his input in those meetings through your eyes coach what did we get in peter godber here this off season uh he's he's a workaholic i'll tell you that he's in he's driving you crazy you're uh he wants to know about this front and hey if he aligns like this and he, he'll go through it all top to bottom and um so just that aside you know obviously playing talent is obvious but uh just bringing that work ethic and that professionalism to the room has been big uh, for us. I'm looking forward to seeing what Logan Bandy can bring this year. It wasn't a great year for the Riders, but Logan learned kind of trial by fire in there as an offensive lineman, got some valuable reps, so now he knows what it takes to play uh, at, at a high level. Sure. I mean, there's no replacement for game reps, right? You have to get in there and see it at that speed with different defenses, different guys, and uh, so there's no substitute for those things. So him being able to get the experience of lining up and playing against other guys in meaningful games and, and downs uh, was big for his development, and uh, he's had a good camp, so I'm excited to see how he progresses throughout these games. How about those uh, two uh, local guys, Logan Furland, Evan Johnson? They train together, they're buddies, and it seems that times are against each other in terms of fighting for a position. What have you seen from both of those guys? Sure, they're, they're both... Uh, hard workers. They both uh, know it well. They've both had really good flashes throughout camp. So I guess maybe the improved depth of the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, we feel like it's going to be a challenge to, you know, it's it's not an easy out. You know, nobody can look and, and uh, predict kind of who it's going to be, you know, and anytime you have that, it uh, these guys are driven anyway, but it pushes you maybe just a little bit more because you know you got depth in the room. But also from a coaching standpoint, we have a next man up mentality, and we know that that next guy can play. So um, it's been fun to watch, sit back and watch him compete. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Moose Jaw. We're through one period of play here in this um, game. The um, 
World Para Hockey Championships. China taking on Norway. China out shooting Norway 12-0. They've got a 1-0 lead. Still to come tonight, Canada taking on Korea. Canada hasn't played a game here yet. Korea is 0-1. The big marquee matchup will be Wednesday when Canada takes on the USA. USA won their first game. All right. So the Rough Riders won their first game. First time they've won since July when they beat the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, first time they won in uh, Mosaic. And if you remember that game, that was the game where um, uh, Garrett Marino smoked Masoli, ended the season, then flexed on the way out, and that was it for Masoli. He'd go on to play one more game after serving a suspension. That was the uh, Labor Day game and with Randy Ambrosi here. Um, uh, Zach Claros hands the football off, reverse, reverse pivots out, and runs right into uh, Garrett Marino. And that was uh, all she wrote for Marino. He was this let go, forced to be released by the Riders, I think, although that hasn't been the official thing. But anyway, it's the first time the Rough Riders have won in Mosaic Stadium since uh, that game back against Ottawa last July. 30-27, to a preseason effort. And what what, um, what an absolute uh, great performance by number 31, Colby Harvell-Peel, as he made a big defensive play or two defensive plays. I think actually it was three defensive plays. Uh, the former Oklahoma State Cowboy was named our defensive game star. Colby Harvell Peel. Colby, thanks for joining us. Uh, man, it's all. Yeah, I got you, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, you were a little nicked up in training camp, Coach said. Uh, they were expecting you to do something. The lights turned on. Just talk about your game today. Uh, you know, I thought I played well. Uh, made some plays. I left a couple plays out there. But, you know, lead a game healthy. Like you said, I came in, you know, with a little nicks and bruises. But, you know, I was able to go. Uh, I felt good out there. So I was glad to be out there making plays and glad we came out with a win. Yeah. So talk about playing our Canadian game. Uh, you know, you were kind of a defensive back safety guy at Oklahoma State. And you're coming in here playing a little linebacker, which is kind of like being a defensive back. Just talk about that. Yeah, it's definitely a little different, you know, with all the different rules and the different approaches to the game. But, um, you know, whether it's playing strong safety or linebacker, you know, it don't matter. Coach give you the call. You got to go execute it. So um, I'm loving my role that I've got so far. And hopefully I keep making play. Yeah, and of course, uh, the coaches talked about you know finding depth American linebackers that can also play special teams. Uh, how how different is it playing special teams here in Canada as opposed to the United States? Man, I was sitting there laughing with some of the, the other American linebackers. It's the the two downs instead of you know third down and then fourth down. It, everything turns around quick and running down on punt. There's no fair catching and you know with all of that. Um, but all of that is definitely different. You definitely got to get your wind about you and. You know, it wasn't too much of an adjustment, but it's definitely different. Uh, when you come in as an American player specifically who's been playing on a much smaller field, as, as, a, as a safety and a, and a linebacker too, um, what does the width of the field do to your game when it comes to things like drops or just, just how do you approach a, a receiver coming out, um, you know, in your face? Like, what does that width of the field, does it affect your thought process? Yeah, it just changes all of your angles. You know, football is big on angles, whether it's your drops or whether it's pursuit, um, and it changes all of that, you know. And now up here, um, with these with the Canadian rules, they can waggle and they can uh, run before the snap. So, you know, it's definitely different. Uh, the pursuit is the biggest one. You know, you can't just, you know, in America, everybody just runs for the pylon as soon as somebody breaks down here. The field is so wide that you know you got a little bit more time, but they can still stretch you. So, um, what are what are some of the things that you came in here wanting to do? 
right? Like, because everybody's got a checklist of things that they want to do. Making plays is obviously on the top of that list. But mm-hmm. um, when you came in, what would what were you looking to do to set yourself apart from some of the other guys? I just wanted to get back to playing ball. You know, I think that when I'm out there and I'm able to play, um, you know, I could be a difference maker. So. Uh, for me, it was just getting back on the field. You know, I hadn't played in a while, so um, for me, it was just getting back onto the field and being able to show what I could do. You know, I'm, I was just grateful to, you know, I've got the call and had a chance to, you know, show my talent. So, not too much expectation. I just am enjoying everything day by day and taking it how it comes. You played fast today, which, which for, for us means that you understood the playbook. And have you been have you been getting with any of these vets to, to get acclimated a little bit quicker? Yes, uh, yeah. Luckily, I'm. You know, when I came in, I was able to talk to, you know, Micah Tights and Larry Dean and guys like that. Two guys that have been around and they knew the system. Um, you know, they're helping me make uh, make adjustments and you know be able to play fast. Um, but then, uh, like Coach Melvin, uh, the linebacker coach, Coach Melvin tells us everything's going to be part, part, whole. They're not just going to throw the whole playbook at us. They're going to try to make it to where we can play fast and. Hopefully we did today. So, uh, Colby, I don't know if you knew about the CFL, but now that you, you've been here, what do you appreciate about our game? Like, we've kind of touched on some of this stuff, but, like, has it been a real eye-opener, and how much do you like playing here? Uh, it's a lot of talent out here. You know, I felt it day one when I came in a training camp. You know, I think that, you know, down south, the CFL gets a little bit of a bad rap, but um, it's a lot of talent up here, and um, I'm glad to be a part of it for sure. Well, man, we're glad you're a part of it. Uh, we were looking for some depth of the linebacking core, and you definitely didn't disappoint today, as evidenced by us picking you as our defensive game star. Enjoy the win and uh, the rest of training camp, and we'll uh, cross our fingers for you that you're going to be here when we uh, pick the roster. Yes, sir. Hopefully. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. Stay Col- healthy, man. Colby, uh, Harvell, Peel. Yeah, stay healthy, my friend. We will be in Saskatoon for the next two days of training camp. Luke Molitor was there, though, today. He was our eyes and ears. We will call him and uh, talk to him uh, after after, uh, 4.30. And also after 5.30, we'll hear from Glenn Suter. We're coming to you live from the World Parahockey Championships here. China against Norway right now. And Moose Jaw and China leading one to nothing. Canada plays tonight against Korea. When we come back... Keith Willoughby, super fan, and he's also the dean at the Edwards School of Business who does CFL simulations all season long. He'll join us to talk some football next. You can always weigh in to our show, our text line, 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group, and all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. This is the Sports Cage. Your voice is Saskatchewan. Is 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, live from Moose Jaw, the World Para Hockey Championships. The Rough Riders have signed American offensive lineman Adonis Boone and American wide receiver Isaiah McCoy, who was released after the first round of cuts but then brought back here as of today and Boone most recently attended rookie camp with the New Orleans Saints following the 2023 NFL draft the Florida native spent his collegiate years at the University of Louisville seeing action in 47 games at both right guard and left tackle uh, in uh, corresponding moves the riders moved national DB Godfrey Onyeka to the injured list and cut American defensive back Kendarius Webster. All right, time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. 
and speak with our friend Keith Willoughby. He is the uh, dean at the uh, Edwards School of Business in Saskatoon, longtime Ryder fan. He does the CFL simulations for us, and those don't get started to what, July, Keith? That's right, Ballsy. We're going to run up with the first set of simulation models probably around week four, week five of the season, mid-July. The CFL should be posting them on their website probably around Labor Day. All right, Keith. Well, uh, you weren't at the game. You had a chance to listen to our uh, our uh, presentation of the game. But uh, by and large, your thoughts on what you uh, heard from the riders or, you know, maybe subsequently saw from them uh, when you saw some clips. Yeah, exactly. One of those few games a year I missed, I was involved in an NBA class uh, over the over the weekend. Um, yeah, hey, let's look at the big picture. For the first time in almost a decade, we win a preseason game. So I know it doesn't count towards the Grey Cup standings, but it sure is nice to be off the schneid in preseason that we've been on for the past nine years. Um, I think if I look at sort of the, the, the focus of the team right, right now, everybody's talking about the O-line. And the fact that the O-line played with some relative consistency, obviously bringing in some different players at key positions, I think that bodes well. Personally, um, and not that I'm a guy's player agent, but I am really excited to see what Brian Cox Jr. has in store for his motor, for his um, heritage, for his uh, uh, what he has in terms of you know his father being an NFL all-star. I'm looking forward to seeing what he might be able to do in a rider uniform this upcoming year. Yeah, well, he had a quarterback sack. He got there first, and then Pete Robertson and others followed him. That, that'll be interesting. I'm interested in the linebacking core. Before we had you on, we had uh, Harvell Peel on. He was a safety at Oklahoma State, and uh, is kind of playing that linebacker spot, which is kind of a tweener position in the CFL. you got to have the athleticism of a safety and be rugged like a linebacker and play in the box. And the Riders, of course, need some depth there. I think... Uh, if and when Moncrief comes back, you got Moncrief, Dean, and uh, Micah Tights, who had a couple of nice plays in the ball game. But then after that, uh, she gets pretty thin, in my opinion. It does, and I think if you look back, balls, yeah, like last year, um, not having Micah Tights available for the entire year, obviously um, he's a ratio breaker, so it, it disrupts your, your 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 national American ratio. I think having Micah back for an entire year, healthy, solid game that he played in his, in the first preseason game, that really bodes well for giving some some depth, and also now the ability to deploy your Canadians appropriately throughout the roster. That's a, that's a very good point. Speaking of Canadians across the roster, how about Mitch Picton? Let's talk about a couple of the receivers. Mitch Picton had two touchdown grabs in that game, and whenever they throw him the ball, he makes plays. Now, I, I need to plead um, maybe full disclosure on Mitch Picton. Again, I'm not his agent, but he is on my CFL fantasy team. And so... Kudos to him, a former U of R Ram, for holding in not one but two touchdown receptions. To me, he's that capable receiver that you always need. Again, he's not flashy. He's not going to be, uh, you know, think back to the last couple of years of a Shaq Evans or Kyram Moore, but he's, he's dependable. He always catches the ball. He's there where he needs to be. Um, I think that's somebody who will be important for us, again, giving us the Canadian depth. And I'm looking forward, not that I would call him a bust from last year, but Sam Emelis. I think coming back for now is sophomore year, first-round draft pick from last year. I think somebody that can also be counted upon to give the riders some depth at the Canadian position. I look forward to him really accelerating his game as he goes into year two in the CFL. Well, you're right on cue because he did have um, he did have a really good training camp to this point. In fact, probably the best receiver not named Darrell Walker. Um, 
And when we talk about Canadian receivers, so Mitch Pickton steps up his game, and you can't tell me he doesn't look and see, okay, Jawan Breskison got signed in the offseason. Jawan Breskison has had about four or five catches in this game, including a nice diving one. I better step up and make a play. And that's so that's kind of what I'm seeing at this training camp. There's There seems to be a little more competition, a little more depth in training camp, which is a good sign to me. It is. And also, again, if you look just further down the depth chart with your Canadian receivers, um, KSB, Keon Shaker-Baker, again, he'll be out for a certain amount of time, but he's, you know, he was, if you look back at last year, I would say our most consistent person playing in the receiver group. Uh, so the Canadians you mentioned, like Kiwan or Sam or, or, or Mitch Pick, and even a guy like Braden Lenius, these individuals have a bit of a window now where, um, where KSB is hurt. Uh, so it's a chance for them to shine. Um, Again, this is this is looking what I'm looking forward to most of all. Again, everybody talks about the old line, but I'm, as the season begins, I want to see some more leadership because I think what really impaled the Riders last year was, you know, obviously the old line situation, losing Dan Clark to broken leg in, in game two, but it was just the lack of of on field and off field leadership. Uh, I think if we can get that this upcoming year that will give the riders a, a sense of stability. Remember, we were 4-1 and one last year um, before things imploded after that. Uh, so there's, the, there's a nucleus there, but give us some good leadership at key positions, and I think we'll be well for uh, a 2023 campaign. Well, you know, you talked about the O-line a couple of times, and it's certainly not the glamorous position. I think interior-wise, with the center, guard, guard, and maybe some of the backups there, um, whether it's Furland starting and Johnson backing up, or Logan Bandy, uh, Logan Bandy in the mix, and you got Philip Blake, and of course um, the new center Peter Godber. But it's the tackles we're going to have to really watch. And I thought it was kind of an up and down night, so they didn't do anything terribly. The team as a, as a whole didn't give up any sacks, but they didn't do so much that we're like doing jumping jacks. So I'm really interested to see how the O line plays this week in Winnipeg. It is, and I think that will obviously the Bombers for the past three or four years have been the class of the CSL. Um, I know to me they're getting a little bit old in the tooth, so whether they'll be able to maintain to make it to a fourth consecutive Grey Cup, I'm not sure on that yet. But at me putting our our offensive tackles against uh, premier defensive linemen that Winnipeg uh, features, I think that'll be a, a real litmus test for the um, for the depth of this O line. Uh, if you look back, if you dial back, even over the past couple of days, the Riders have brought in some American offensive linemen trying to shore up the tackle position uh, because that's going, again, if we can solve that riddle, that will give us some much-needed depth at a position that was sorely lacking in 2022. Lastly, Keith, uh, you're the simulations guy. We don't do it till July, so just take the Commodore 64, keep it unplugged. I want your <laughs> opinion. Like, you look at this schedule right now, I... I said in the first seven games, the Riders needed to be at least three and four to give ourselves a puncher's chance. It's a tough early schedule for sure. It is. And in fact, if you think back to the past couple of years where um, I'd say, you know, 2021 and 2022, especially, we began with softer schedules, playing a lot of Eastern teams. Um, but folks, beginning this year at Edmonton, and, and you know, they'll be eager because they have never in their history at Commonwealth, the Elks have never won a home regular season game, so they'll be eager to get off the schneid against us. But then facing Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton again, then Calgary, BC, and then your Grey Cup champions, Toronto. So we've got a seven set of games at the beginning of the year that are, are really challenging. I think three and four would do us well. I would, I would 
I would be delighted, obviously, with four and three. But to me, three and four would be reasonable. Um, get some of our newer players then more into the scheme of things. And then, you know, we, we hit that middle part of the season in, um, in August and September where maybe they can crack some victories. Um, not that I'm predicting who's going to win the Great Cup already, but to me, my money is with Calgary. They always seem to be able to be there at the right time of the season. I think Winnipeg is taking a step down this year. I don't think the Bombers will be the, the dominant group that we saw over the past four seasons in the CFL. Wow, I, I, I think this is the year Calgary takes a step back. I am not sold on Jake Mayer. I, I actually think it's Winnipeg, B.C., and then uh, put them in a blender, Riders, Calgary, or Edmonton for three and four. Like I, I, I'm not that sold on the Calgary Stampeders this year. Well, I think and this is the year they take a step back. Well, that, it would, would be nice for the rest of us in, this, in the West Division who have seen Calgary be dominant basically since 2004 was the last time they had a subpar season. So, and they, maybe the, the, the chips are right this year for the Stamps to take a bit of a step back, but uh, we shall see as the season unfolds. Keith Willoughby, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ballsy. Go Riders. Yeah, go Riders. And right now, China beating Norway 2 nothing here at the World uh, Hockey Para, or the uh, Para World Hockey Championships, pardon me, here in Moose Jaw, Canada, playing Korea in a bit. Tell you what, man, somebody should find Mike, o- Mike O'Shea. Yes, he's a great coach, and yes, he's run a, uh, a great outfit on the field, but he continues to not understand or not give a you-know-what about what the league is doing. He didn't put out any depth charts for the preseason game for the media and i know i'm a media guy whining but it's sports entertainment and then he put out a numerical roster just by position so it wasn't even numerical in the sense that it's easy to see what are you hiding it's the preseason somebody should fine him and fine him again and fine him again till he smartens up like it's ridiculous it's actually an embarrassment and somebody needs to stand up to this guy okay mike we're all in it together you we got to promote the league Unreal. This is the Sports Cage from Moose Jaw on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to Moose Jaw, the World Para Hockey championships taking place here china's out shooting norway 20 to 4 they lead 2 nothing so the norwegian goalie standing on his head literally and uh, as we go to the third period later canada is going to be playing korea in a big game here you got to get out and watch this man this is interesting and uh, zinger will replay an interview i did earlier with uh the um offensive game with star. the uh no, 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 no. We'll replay the interview. Sorry, oh, I got a text yeah, here yeah, that yeah. just popped in. Distract me. Uh, with Ryan Robbins yep. from Hockey Canada. And we were talking about the different uh, things that go on with the uh, para hockey, right? Here's one thing I forgot to ask him, and I think it's really interesting. Like, you know when a guy blocks his shot in, like, an NHL game or a WHL game, you say he's going to go walk it off down the tunnel, right? That's not what I'm... Like, where I'm going with this is when players go from the dressing room to able-bodied hockey from the... And I hate using that because these guys have lots of ability watching them play hockey. But the conventional hockey game is how I'll say it. When they walk from the dressing room to the ice surface, like they got to go, it's padded, right, to protect their blades, right? Mm -hmm. But they can move because they walk. I wonder how these athletes go back to the dressing room. 
They would have to have people. They would have to have people in the tunnel. I would think. You know. I would think. Like right. What? I don't know that there's ice all. Like I don't think they've transformed it. Because at the bench, they just they've taken the benches out. They've taken all that matting out, and they just let them have their sleds go in and out of the uh, benches. And the benches are all clear glass, so they can see through the benches, see through oh. boards there at the bench. I'm just interested to see how they get down the tunnel. But I, I wonder. Mean, I wonder if Ryan Robbins. Do you, do you see him in the concourse? Maybe you can grab him quick for a quick question. Well, where, this, where's he seat. at? Where's he at? That's right. Just a couple of dumb radio announcers here on 620 CKRM. <laughs> but I tell you what, if you've never been out to watch this, this is amazing, man. That's why I said, you know, you, you've heard all able body. Well, I'll tell you what. You could put me, who my two legs work, and if I got on one of those sleds, I'd get my ass kicked. I wouldn't even be able to get from blue line to the center red line. No, so I, I couldn't do that. If I, if mo- I tried doing that, I would go straight into cardiac. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, they're more able body than us. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, who was very able on Saturday, it was Mitch Picton with a two-handed, like, what I mean by two-handed catch, he made two beautiful catches. One of them, though, was a 50-50 ball where he reached both his hands over the defender's head and hauled it in for a touchdown. Those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter propelled the Riders to a come-from-behind 30-27 victory over the BC Lions, and Mitch Picton was our offensive game star, so let's go back to our post-game chat. Mitch Pickton downstairs. Mitch, congratulations on a two-touchdown performance. Thank you, thank you. Got some fans. You got some fans up here. Let me ask you a question. Were you always a patient guy? Because as Luke pointed out, yet you, you haven't got. You know, you, it seems like you always have a small window to do something here, Mitch. And you know, they put the Canadian receivers the wide side wide out, and they've done that at training camp. And all you ever do when they throw you the ball is make plays. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to wait for your opportunity, right? So uh, you got to stay locked in for the entire game, and because uh, eventually that ball is going to come. So you got to be ready to make a play when that happens. Tell me about the first touchdown uh, in the game. Oh, I uh, just ran my route. I uh, ended up seeing Mason scramble, so I kind of took off to the back pylon, and, and he was able to find me. So uh, good little scramble drill, and uh, it's good to be able to connect. So what's the initial route there, and then when do you decide, okay, i got to bust it off? Uh, it was a post route, and then, uh, you know, I get into my route where I would look to see if the ball's coming, and I saw him pull it down and scramble, so then I, you know, spin around and uh, try to get into frame for him and uh, and try to make a play. I say this jokingly. Did you have to do a double take and make sure it wasn't uh, Noah Picton throwing you the ball because you guys did that quite a few times in that end zone when he was a Ram quarterback with you. Yeah, yeah. They uh, play similar games, actually. So, uh, yeah, it was good to connect with Mason there and uh, and build some chemistry with these quarterbacks. And just talk about the second touchdown, because that's what we call a 50-50 ball. When you're a receiver, though, you want to approach it like it's a 90-10 ball. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just happy Mason was able to, uh, you know, give me a shot. Uh, Late in the game, you're down a couple points, kind of all the chips are down. That's when you want to be at your best and want to be able to make a play. So uh, to be able to help our team find a W tonight, uh, it was good. You know, we've talked a lot about the quarterback battle really all camp. And the reason why we've talked about it, Mitch, is because it seems like all these quarterbacks are really doing their thing. As a receiver uh, sitting in that room watching that tape, you know, throughout practice and obviously with with this game, what's it been like to watch that quarterback? quarterback competition <laughs> it's a tight battle uh, we got some real ballers in that quarterback room so uh yeah it's it's great to play with all of them it's a lot of fun they've all had 
great camps and uh, I guess we're going to see how this plays out over the next week here. I said this earlier, it's kind of weird, right? You're all wearing green and white jerseys, but you're not quite on the same team because you're competing for a job and you're only human. So when you see a guy like Breskison come here in the off season, and then, you know, he's out here making some, he made a nice catch that was thrown low, good throw by Mason Fine, and he made a couple of other nice little catches out in the flats. Are you there like, okay, when the ball comes to me, I got to make a play. It's my turn. Like, I got to do this. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that at all. Uh, we're actually really tight as a as a receiver room. Um, you know, you're just competing against yourself out there, right? You're trying to compete every day, get better, be better than you were the day before. So uh, that's kind of my mindset throughout camp. And, uh, you know, if I continue to do that, then I think I'm going to be all right. I'll never say, uh, once you start practicing, you're never 100% healthy till the end. But how are you? Because you're, you know, a little problem with lower body injuries last year. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Yeah, been able to stay healthy uh, throughout camp. You know, the usual bumps and bruises, but uh, that's just playing football. So, uh, you know, it's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, the Riders never, when I was playing, the Riders never drafted somebody or, or, or put somebody on a team from Michigan State. I was the only Spartan. You yourself, though, you know, this year you come in as a, as a vet and they draft a guy like Jackson Ford. Um, have you taken the young man under your wing as, 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 as a uh, colleague and alumni? Like, how have you managed to, uh, to get Jackson through the first couple weeks of camp here? <laughs> He's been doing great. Um, I've, I know Jackson quite well. We trained a little bit in the offseason, so uh, when they picked him, it was it was great. I was pretty happy to have another Ram in the room. So, uh, no, he's been doing good. I've been giving him kind of tips how to get through camp here and there, but uh, for the most part, he's doing just fine. We've got a great DB room, too, that's, uh, that's I'm sure they're helping him out as well. On a weekly basis in football, I don't think people really realize how much effort. I know it's a kid's game, but how much film work and, you know, the massages and the cold tubs and everything you got to go through just to play a game and then when you play it's the ecstasy of victory and such a downer when you lose it's like a punch in the gut and I wouldn't think even though it's preseason it's nice to win a football game after uh, you know through, going through camp for the first two weeks yeah I mean it's always good to come out on on this side of things Dickie in his post-game speech said hey if we're playing cards we're still playing to win right so we're all competitors it doesn't matter if it's preseason or regular season while well, win always feels good so uh yeah it's good to come out on this end and you were there last year through uh, you know some turbulent times um and before that through some winning times how's the vibe this year now it's great. It's great. I really feel like we have a, uh, a great room on offense, uh, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, O-line. We've got some real great guys. But I feel like we're really coming together in this camp and gelling well as a unit, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to get things going. That's our offensive game star, Mitch Picton. Congratulations on a great game, man. Two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Welcome back inside. Moose Jaws. Uh, what do we call this, Tegan? Event center? Yeah. What was yeah. it? it was a mosaic place before. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it always messes me up. Yeah, the the Moose Jaw Event Center uh, and Tegan, who does our uh, who is our uh, midday host on the Wolf My Old Station, is in here, and you're the public address announcer for this game. Yeah, I'm doing a little volunteering today. I'm going to do in stand for the Canada game. You're doing Canada awesome. Well, <laughs> it's not like you're. It's not like U.S. versus Canada. You got a Chinese names and Norwegian names. Not easy. No. Not easy. No. no. No, but we're doing our best. Uh, I gotta say, the crowd over there, right in the center yeah. here on the, on yeah. the center line. Oh wow, they are into it. So, is this your first time watching this type of hockey? Yes. Me too. Isn't it amazing? They are so skilled. Okay, oh here's gosh. a question. Maybe you can help me out. Okay. So, I, I asked some of the particulars. Like we know the see-through uh, boards of the benches, and they can just uh, wheel in and out with their sleds. But you know when people go from the 
from the bench to the dressing room, they got to walk down the tunnel, right? Right. How do they get down the tunnel? They retrofitted everything in the back area so that they, I'm pretty sure whatever they have, I don't think it's ice, but but whatever flooring they have in there, they also have going back to the dressing room. Okay. Yeah. If you talk to Corey Nyhagen, he's part of the the building here, he could explain exactly what material it is. Yeah. I'm just guessing at this point, but. (laughs) Awesome. Are you a big hockey fan? Oh, yeah. You're a Habs fan, right? Let's not rub that in. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Well, good good on you. And uh, like I said, these. The term that has been used is able-bodied for like the regular hockey, but I don't like right. using that because I can tell you this right now. I have a quote-unquote able body like you, and I don't <laughs> think I could go on a sled and do what these athletes are doing. Not a hope in hell, man. No. No, no. The, these guys are very, very skilled at what they do, Yeah, and it is very entertaining to watch. Get, I'm excited for Canada. There's your buzzer. Yeah, Get upstairs. I gotta go. See you later. Thanks, Take Balsy. care. Great job. Tegan Whitco, she is with our um, sister station, The Wolf, and she is the public address announcer for this game and the in-house in-stand host for the Canada-U.S. game tonight. We've got a very special birthday announcement coming up in our clutch performance. It's the Sports Cage on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. White will inbound. It's off the smart for the seventh game. The buzzer sounded, the light was on, it'll be reviewed. Oh, he got Northern rid of it. He sure That's a did. Celtic and win, and we're going to Game 7. The Celtics are going to win. There's a Game 7 back in Boston. Moving on the floor is good back. One-tenth of a second left on the clock. Derek White of the Boston Celtics sends it to a Game 7. That was something else on Saturday night. The Boston Celtics come all the way back to tie the series at three, and tonight they will try to become the first team in NBA history to come back after being down 3-0 to go on to win the series. Could history happen tonight? The game is in Boston. Derek White, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Moose Job. Before we get to some of the sporting action and news and notes of the day, let us get to uh, this zinger. I got a special birthday announcement, okay? Um, okay. Kudos to Ryan. Kudos to Ryan and Jennifer Robinson. They're bringing uh, their young daughter to all the games, and she brings her little gainer doll to all the games, and they sit and listen to our post game show after. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Veda, and she turned six years old today. So I thought that's pretty cool that we got a young Rough Rider fan coming up. So it's Veda's birthday today. I asked her what her birthday party was. She wouldn't tell me. She didn't. Even tell me I could have a piece of cake. She would barely. Oh. She wouldn't even shake my hand. She just gave me a fist bump. But she gave me a fist bump with gainer doll. So okay, yeah. And those gainer yeah, dolls so. are really nice. Casper has one oh. himself, and he uh, does he? he Caspi has one. Yeah, Caspi. He carries it. Uh, he carries it around everywhere actually. And the stuffing in the arm is like all gone now. So it's just basically gainer's skin on his arm. If that makes any how, sense. Well, that's kind of morbid. How did the how did the stuffing uh, get released? What happened there? Well, you know, he he just, he likes swatting it around, and you know, it just kind of migrated to the chest region, I guess. Yeah. So what uh, what um what sport are you going to push him to play? I want him to play baseball. 
it's probably smart on his body. Um, yeah, I pitcher? want him to be. I yeah. I think if he has a frame like mine, that's one of my biggest sporting regrets. I wish I would have been a pitcher because I'm long, lean, and mean. I could have been like the next Randy Johnson. Except, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're long and you're lean. There's nothing mean about you. Oh yeah. You, you could be mean for like one minute. If I give you a Western pizza. Or a very berry from uh, oh. from uh, Booster Juice. It just calms you right down, oh. and you're just totally like a little uh, puddle. I don't know about that, man. You cross me enough, and I will, uh, you know, I'm, a, you know, you're right. I will I'm, tell you I'm this thing. Puddle. I will tell you this singer. I will tell you this singer. I did. My first choice was to get Ethan into baseball. Really? My daughter was into dancing and yoga. Yeah, I, I had Ethan in baseball, and Ethan loved baseball, but. When you start them at six or seven, most of the kids are making sandcastles or picking their nose or staring at the sky. And it and even like little six-year-old Ethan was ticked off. He's like, Dad, I don't want to play anymore. Why? Because the pitcher can't pitch. And, and I don't know, let's make up a name. Robbie's making sandcastles at second base. So he got distracted early. But I did try to, or upset early, I did try to hand Ethan. Like I would suggest you... You give the ball to Caspi, and you get Casper to throw with his left hand. Left hand, left hand. Get him to do that, because uh, Daddy will be retired early if you can get him being a left-handed pitcher. Yeah, well, how about instead of, here's some zinger fatherly advice. How about this? I've been a father for two years. Check this out. Yeah, not even two years. Not even two years. I think for myself with Caspi, I'm not even going to put him in that T-ball and that baseball just for the reasons that you just said. I'm going to take him to the park on my own, and I'm going to put together yep. my own baseball games, and we're going to do it that way until you know he's as of age where he can actually play in a competitive-type game. How about that? Yeah, I agree. Any of those young little sports are yeah. stupid, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, they're stupid. My kid never did the 3-4-5 hockey. Never did that. We played mini sticks and moved all the... We used to take... This is how I taught them football and hockey, folks. Don't take it for what it's worth. I would take all the furniture out of the living room, and we would watch Euler games and play mini sticks on our in our. You know, we had a rug in the mm-hmm. like our carpet carpeted yep. uh, living room. That's what we did. Or we'd go into. The, I, it took me five years to finish my basement because we wanted to play sports in the basement. So we shot <laughs> balls and pucks in the basement. Okay, mm-hmm. and then and then I did make a mistake by putting him in baseball, but I never put him in that three, four, five hockey man. I took a chair out to the rink. I said, I want to. I want to teach you how to skate. He goes, me no want chair. So he'd kick the chair away, and he'd fall down a hundred times. And by the end of the end of the thing, he was good. Did That's the, how we talk. We don't do any of that stuff. Did RMF have the mini mites when? when no, they didn't. No, oh, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. I'm still I'm still on the fence about this mini mites. I would love uh, because I feel like that's one of the sports where it's kind of like uh, y- you won't be picking your nose on the five yard line, right? No, right before I'm against, the snap. I, I like what they've done. Like, back when Ethan started up, it was 9, 10, 11. Like, that's when he started at 9. And we played full field, which is too much for the kids. So they've kind of dumbed it down yeah. a bit, which I like. Yeah. But but the actual um, the actual football, I know people do um, uh, flag football. It's, it's immensely popular. What We have the second-best flag football in all of North America. That's a great league. But I am not anti have your kids play tackle football earlier. It's kind of like contact in hockey. I think you should learn how to contact early in life because, like, your bodies are kind of similar. You know what I mean? An 11-year-old, by and large, isn't that much bigger than a 9-year-old. You yeah, know what I'm getting not? at? 
Why not? You, you, you have more time to learn, you know? Uh, I, if Casper wants to play football when he's, whatever, seven, six years old, he's hitting yeah. the gridiron, baby. I well, he's a big guy. He'll be played. He'll either be a left-handed pitcher or a left-handed ta- or a left tackle. The yeah. way he's growing, he, he's going to hey. be a hoggy. I feel like he is. You see him walking around. He has a he has the frame of a hoggy. His legs are nice and thick. Oh man, yeah. I could just see it right now. He's got bigger legs than you. He's got bigger legs than you, Zinger, right now. Hey, don't 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 make fun of me like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are coming to you live from the World Para Hockey Championships in Moose Jaw, where it's a debacle right now. China's up on Norway 3-0. They're out shooting the Norwegians 24-4. to I'll tell you what, this Norwegian goalie, as Don Cherry would say, has seen more rubber than a dead skunk on the Trans-Canada <laughs> Highway. And he the Oilers should sign him. Left and right. <laughs> True story. We might be in the Stanley Cup. True story. Anyway, that'll do it for uh, this segment of the show. When we come back, we're going to catch up with Luke Mulliner from training camp at Saskatoon. This is the Sports Cage, and your voice is Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Sports ticker time for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. Big night in the NBA. Can the Boston Celtics become the first team in league history to come back in a series down three games and win? It could happen tonight. Heat at Celtics. Game 7 in Boston, 6.30 p.m. Saskatchewan time. And the NHL, the Dallas Stars, well, hey, they have their own little comeback in the making. They were down 3-0 in the series, but they have battled back with two straight wins. And they could tie the series tonight at home in Game 6. Vegas and Dallas at 6. It is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sportsgate CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. On the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have inked a couple of uh, players as uh, we head into the last stretch of training camp. And one of them was here before. That would be uh, receiver Isaiah McCoy. McCoy was let go in the first round of cuts, but the six foot two, two hundred pounder, who is assigned by the Pittsburgh Steelers as an undrafted free agent after the twenty twenty one NFL draft, uh, has re signed with the Rough Riders. And they also brought in Adonis Boone. He's six five, he's three hundred and three pounds, an offensive lineman. Uh, most recently with the Saints following the 2023 NFL draft. The Florida native, five collegiate seasons at the University of Louisville, seeing action in 47 games at both right guard and left tackle. So uh, he is coming to camp with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I will join Luke Mullender in Saskatoon tomorrow after I'm done here at the World Para Hockey Championships in Moose Jaw. Speaking of Luke, let's get to him. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. By the way, our CFL report was brought to you by our good friends at Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with the boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in Fort Capella online at kevinsmarine.com. Luke Molitor joining me from Saskatoon. Uh, nothing extravagant to report from training camp, and if there is, we'll get to it with the... Uh, Head coach of your Rough Riders for McDougal Auctioneers after 5 o'clock. But, Luke, lots to uh, talk about uh, after that preseason game. First of all, as preseason games go, Luke, a win's a win's a win, and it was an exciting win. 
Yeah, I thought the game was great. I really enjoyed it, and uh, it's not just because obviously we're we're back to calling football. Um, it was a really exciting game, um, and it had, I think, it answered some questions that that we had been kind of hoping would get answered, and I think it still left some questions out there as well. So. Um, anytime you get a win, I, I think that uh, Coach Dickinson was quoted as saying, you know, even if you're playing cards, you play to win, right? And, and I, I would agree with that. You got to be competitive. And uh, I think it was a good step in the right direction. Luke, one of the questions unanswered is, and maybe we'll get an answer from Coach Dickinson after five, but as we talk right now, what are they going to do with that muddled backup? quarterback spot it's a good uh, problem to have but you know trevor harris is going to get a lot of reps or you think he's going to get a pile of reps in winnipeg yeah i would i wouldn't i would be surprised if he didn't get the first half and maybe something into the third quarter um i mean he hasn't he hasn't played since last year right and and i think that the argument or the debate may have been made a lot harder um but i don't think that you can also come off script when it comes to preparing your team for week one. Um, the roster needs to be set in a lot of other positions, you know, besides quarterback. You know who your number one is, and and I think that you've got to focus on that. Maybe put, put a lot more into the grades that, you know, you hand out this week if you're doing a lot. But, yeah, still, I think that, when you look at this game coming up, it's a real chance to establish your quarterback, um, get him, you know, in a flow with the personnel grouping that you want to unroll. But more importantly, it's a chance to send the message, right? For as long as the starters for Winnipeg are out there and for as long as the starters for Saskatchewan are out there, those are the guys that you're going to see. And uh, for a 6-12 and 12 team, I'm looking forward to any opportunity that I can get as a head coach or as a player in the organization last year um, to send a message and say, like, look, this isn't the same Saskatchewan Rough Rider team you faced in 2022. And uh, I, I think that that's important. I think that it's, it's important to establish yourself because we saw it was, it was physical. They played fast. You know, they, they caused some turnovers. But, um, again, there's, there's nothing like the, the message that one can send and so it's simply to say, look, this this ain't your this ain't your grandma Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? Hey, hey before we get to um, before we get to uh, anything more to do with the Rough Riders, you brought something up that uh, hey, uh, you know what kind of Winnipeg Blue Bomber team are we going to see? And that's this is one of the games I'm I least like. I'm not looking forward to this game, Luke. Tie this right now because. Uh, Mike O'Shea won't give out his depth charts. He didn't give out a depth chart to the media um, against the uh, Edmonton Elks, and a numerical roster was just by position. Like, this guy is a great coach, whatever, but this dude should be fined. This is sports entertainment, and we're not talking 1985 anymore. That's that's a bunch of garbage, as, as far as I'm concerned. They should be fining this guy every time he pulls these shenanigans. You're either a partner in this league, or you're not. And we're in sports entertainment now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the counter to that is is two of the last three, if you're Winnipeg. Right. And it's and it's saying, well, yeah, you know what? You don't like our coach and the way he handles logistics beat us. And, you know, there's not too many teams that have beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Right. I mean, they, they, they do have the last two out of the last three great cups. And, 
And, uh, you know, you and I talk all the time about, hey, he, he who has the gold makes the rules. And uh, right now, I mean, yeah, do we like how O'Shea um, manages the, the day before uh, exhibition games? And do we like the way he handles rosters? No, but, I mean, at the same time, I mean, he's yeah, sitting considerably yeah, but, hey, Luke, higher Luke, than Luke, a lot of other people Luke, right now. Luke, Luke, I get what you're saying. You're right, beat him, whatever. But it's the Canadian Football League, not the O'Shea Football League or the Winnipeg Football League. Give me a break. No, I and and I feel you, but but again, you know, uh, I bet you he probably gets uh, he probably gets a considerable amount, amount of laughs watching the league stew about this, right? Like you know, coaches are petty, man. So I think that in a way, it's it's sort of become his his stick. You know what I mean? I guess so. Uh, China's just scored again. They're leading a five nothing over Norway. Luke, have you seen this hockey? Like this is unbelievable. It is unbelievable what these guys do. Uh, a good chunk of the U.S. team is ex-military guys that have lost their legs in battle, and their chests and traps, and they're just huge, man. And and the way they can go up and down the ice, this is unbelievable hockey. It's actually, I was like. I was like, oh, what am I going to see here? I am absolutely, uh, oh, like, I'm not saying I'm on the edge of my seat, but it's crazy. To, 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 overcome, to overcome true disability and true disadvantages and, 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 and still play at such a high level and, and be, able to, be able to train your mind into not looking at your deficiencies but looking at the opportunity that's something special that that not very human very many human beings have and uh, i'm in awe of the athletes that you guys are watching right now because i agree with you man it's it's such a you know you see the olympians that that do the wheelchair races and you see you know you see the special olympics and and people that are that are that you would think are at distinct disadvantages truly aren't right and uh, it's something cool to watch well, yeah, because people use uh, able-bodied versus what we're watching here, and I say, no, 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 no. I have what you consider maybe an able body, all my limbs. I went out on that ice surface, I'd get killed in five seconds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't, you, we wouldn't be doing anything out there. No. <laughs> They'd have to bring a defibrillator on just to keep me alive. Uh, Luke? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about the running back spot. Interesting battle there, too, on offense. Well, you know, I was thinking about that. I, I think that I think that that running back spot that we're, we're talking about an interesting battle. I think that obviously Morrow and Hickson are going to lead that there. And I think that the running back spot that we that we watched last night, that the one that's up for grabs is, is, is actually a practice roster position I would anticipate. And the reason why is when you look at the makeup of the roster, I mean, like you're going to want to bring Hickson, you're going to want to bring Morrow. And then you also are bringing Mario Alford. Right, I, I don't see an, I don't see room for another running back on that roster unless he plays exceptional special teams, and maybe that's where B.J. Emmons edges everybody out, right? Because of his ability to play special teams. I mean, he was a stud out there. Um, he depleted a couple guys, and I think that um, I think that yeah, for, for for like the actual running back spot, I think that there's a designated PR position right now, but a special team spot may go to B.J. Emmons if 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 uh, if all things. Can I just don't see I don't see them not traveling Hickson and you know they're traveling Alford. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh we're gonna wrap up our before we take a break, we'll wrap up our offense discussion. Um the offensive line, uh could you what could you uh what could you take away from that game? Tackle still uh it was up and down a bit. I thought the interior looked pretty good. They ran pretty pretty well behind Logan Furland. That's no big surprise. 
Yeah, I, I think that there was a couple things that that I really enjoyed about watching the uh, the O line. I, I think that you know, um, uh, again, I've, I've I've been celebrating Logan Furlan's development, and, and and we really saw it. I mean, this guy's moving at a this guy's moving at a really good pace right now. Um, you know, watching him out there go from go from his double team to to the to the second level, and and some of the holes that he was opening up that that didn't get um, ran through. I think that he's on the verge of having a great year. Phillip Blake, solid as ever, as usual. Um, didn't have a problem with Logan Bandy, but I do think that, you know, you mentioned that we didn't see Gerald Hawkins, and, and I know that he's probably penciled in there for the left tackle spot, but I wasn't. I, I also wasn't convinced um, uh, in terms of the tackles we saw, you know, as a right tackle. I don't think there's a definitive starter there yet, or at least I don't think there should be one because, I mean, we, we saw some good, but we also saw some bad, right? So, um, hopefully, hopefully, whoever they, they choose to roll with there against Winnipeg on Friday, hopefully he shows well. And, and if anybody gets any mop-up time in the fourth quarter or late into the third, hopefully that guy plays well because I still think that there's a depth, depth issue at the tackle position. And what was your takeaway from the receiving core, uh, Luke, by and large? Well, the receiving core, well, first of all, my takeaway was, was uh, it got me even more excited to, to, to see what O.C. Kelly Jeffrey has in store for us. Um, I, again, I, I, I talked about it on our postgame show. I was really impressed with the willingness to just go downfield, right? And, you know, we, our quarterbacks were taking shots. And that's when, when quarterbacks are taking shots like that, it's not just because they're out there trying to make the team. They're out there because, you know, they, they feel confident enough in the play that's called and, you know, the area of the field that they're in to take that shot. And that's baked into a system and an understanding. So I think Kelly Jeffrey has got guys on the right path. But, uh, I mean, some of those young guys, right, the, the couple of them really stepped up. And, and more importantly, I think the guys in the depth like Breskison and, and Picton, um, it, it was important for them to play well too, right? Picton coming with two big touchdowns despite not really being noticed at all during camp. That was great to see. But uh, I was more impressed. Hey, you, you and I talked about the need to find some playmakers other than the playmakers we already know about. And it looks like a couple of those wide receivers may fit the bill. I'm, I'm anxious to see what they have, um, what they have uh, next game. And I do think that if there's more of a, a, a deeper rotation of players, I think it'll probably be in that, uh, that wide receiver group. I don't anticipate them going all four quarters. That's Luke Molitor. I'm Michael Ball and Moose Jaw. He's in Saskatoon. We'll continue our Rough Rider talk live here from Moose Jaw, the World Para Hockey Championships. This is the Sports Cage. Your voice of Saskatchewan is 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball live from Moose Jaw, where China's just defeated Norway 5-1, out shooting them 29-9 to take this game at the World Para Hockey Championships. The first time it's been hosted in Canada, and it's in Moose Jaw here tonight. Canada taking on Korea. Big game is Wednesday, Canada and the U.S. All right, time to head back out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with Luke Moller. Luke, 
Brian Cox Jr. comes in here in rookie camp. His dad, Brian Cox Sr., an all-star linebacker, three-time Pro Bowler, mainly with the Miami Dolphins. Um, so he comes, uh, you know, with some good DNA, uh, plays with an edge like his dad did, had a quarterback sack. I think probably, barring anything unforeseen, has probably got a roster spot to start this season. How do you feel? And that's interesting because Stephen Banks was brought in here from the Stamps, and he was a backup on the roster. Yeah, I... I, I... I don't know what role Stephen Banks, if any, is going to have here in Saskatchewan. I, again, I don't know his contract situation. It might be one of those those deals where the riders are kind of tied to one. But um, from what we saw, Ballsy, um, and more importantly, maybe I should term it from what we've seen this entire way through from Stephen Banks, I mean, he hasn't really shown much. And I, I do think that, you got, I mean, Brian Cox Jr., he's got a long way to go, right? Like, you still got to line him up against guys like guys like Winnipeg has, right? Because there is validity to Craig Dickinson's t- comment about those guys being their second stringers, right? But Brian Cox Jr. doesn't control any of that. So I think that I think that he's, he's definitely warranted another shot for sure, maybe even a start because, again, I – it was funny to see Stephen Banks. I mean, you and I were both there at the start of training camp, and Stephen Banks was lined up on the other side of Pete Robertson. And then, then as we went along, right, uh, Pete sort of developed into uh, in, into more of that hybrid pass rushing slash linebacker in coverage role, and 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 Banks was still sort of hung back there in the depth. So. Again, I, I'm not sure what his role is going to be, and, and I think that Brian Cox, like you said, does have considerable momentum um, going forward. I mean, he made a couple of really nice pass rush moves that we, we were impressed with in the, in the booth, so why not roll with them, right? Uh, the other area of concern, or one of them, was the linebacker. What will we have behind the, uh, the trio that's going to start or peg to start in tights, Dean, and Moncrief? C.J. Rivas started that Sam linebacker spot for a Kreef in that game. Um, and then, of course, we picked the former Oklahoma State Cowboy, Colby Harvell Peel, who popped a couple of times. Just overall, what did you think of the, uh, the the linebacker play in that game? Oh, did we lose him? Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry about that, guys. I had it on mute. No, I, oh, I think that uh, Harvell Peel earned himself a roster spot in that game. I really do. I, I was impressed, and more importantly, I mean, he was all he was he was going on special teams too. Um, so I, I think that um, I think that for for the coaches, okay, if we want to keep Revis at the strong side while we're waiting on Kreef to return, whenever that'll be, that's an option, and we can use Harvell Peel on specials and have him for depth. Or do we try him out at the strong strong linebacker position and see what he can do from there, right? And allow Revis to, to maybe play a little bit more defensive back. So I, I do think that with Harvell Peel's performance in that game, I think the coaches came out probably pretty satisfied knowing at, very, at the very minimum they have some options there. And I think that that was the concern, right, Baldy going in, is, is where's the depth? And I think that Harvell Peel and I can't, you know, I can't for the life of me remember the other uh, linebacker that I was. Kyrie Fisher, Kyrie Fisher Morris was another one, number fifty. I know Um, it might have been. I'm talking about Brunson actually. Um, I I like what Brunson Brunson was doing from the middle spot. So I think that yeah, at minimum, the coaches are probably feeling pretty good about the fact that hey, you know what, there is guys that we can work with right now. 
um, behind behind our main guys because obviously Tyson's there, obviously Larry Dean's going to be there, and 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 let's just hope we see Creech here pretty quickly. You know, and let's uh, let's talk about Deontay Williams. He had an interception, played pretty well on special teams. War number twenty four in that game. He impressed too. Now I, I get it. It's a it was mostly backups for the uh, BC Lions, but he did pick off Dom Davis and uh, he flied around on special teams too. I thought. Yeah, but the problem I think that he's got Deontay. I, I think he's got a problem of just being sort of like you know back of the in a line bad at position. The I mean, yeah. I mean, where are you going to play the kid, right? You've got Nick Marshall, you've got Amari Henderson, you've got you've got Jeremy Clark, you've got you still got Roland Milligan. Like that, that's a stacked group back there. I think that for depth reasons, we're pretty happy um, with Deontay Williams, right? But again, that might be one of the cases where they're 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 we might be talking practice roster spot there, um, in terms of just overall roster um, fit, right? A lot of the times, people got to understand and remember that a lot of the times. You know, these young guys come in and they play really, really well. And, and they have to remember that, you know, the, the rosters aren't 53-man here in, in Canada. They're 42-44, right? So, um, you know, quite often you'll see guys, that, and you're, you're actually surprised, right? You're like, oh, man, how is this guy ending up on the practice roster, right? He balled out the last two games. Well, you know what? That, that was really the only spot open um, in the coach's mind, right? And then, of course, the, 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 the thought is um, for every fan base, oh, man, well, someone's going to scoop him. There's no way he's going to stay on our practice roster. Well, you know what? I've been on the analyst side of this game now for six years, and I've maybe seen that play out once or twice at the most. So I think the teams are going to be pretty happy with the guys they have. And, and those practice roster spots, yeah, they're not paid well, and, and, they're, and they're, not, uh, they're not premier positions. But, hey, we talk all about opportunities and window of opportunities, and sometimes you just got to start where you start. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Hey, and as far as the kicking game goes, I mean, Brett Lothar's got a job, no doubt about it. Vedvik hit a 40-yard field goal that was taken off the board and that pyramiding penalty by Ryder Varga, and so the Riders went in to score a touchdown. Otherwise, he and Korzak were dead heat in terms of punting. I think Korzak's net was, I want to say, or Gross was, uh, or net, sorry, was 40.3, and uh, Vedvik's was like 39.1. So I would say it's a dead heat going into the next game, too. Well, I, I, I would probably say that Vedvik's going to come out on top there. I mean, he is experienced. He, you know, like, you guys heard me. I think he needs to, to get his uniform swagger up a little bit more. But, um, but uh, I mean, I think that I think if you're if Vedvik's kicking field goals, there's a reason why that is, right? I think that um, in their mind, you know, again, you you have to as a coach be thinking about your your injury scenarios right okay what what happens if injury a happens what happens if injury b happens and i think that you know vedvik kicking field goals is might be one of those deals where if 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 louder you know breaks a big toenail and and doesn't feel comfortable comfy kicking they need somebody to finish off the game you know maybe their punter can do it right so i think that again we'll we'll probably see more of the roster that that second game that's going to be really the the clear sign for everybody in rider nation about who's going where and i wouldn't be surprised to see vedvik up top there Luke, thanks for your time, man. Thanks for covering the practice today. We will talk to you tomorrow, okay? Dude, enjoy the enjoy the hockey, man. I, I, I'm yeah, I am, man. It's probably a lot of it, fun. It's, a, it's awesome. Yeah, that's Luke Molitor joining us from Saskatoon. As he alluded to, I'm in Moose Jaw for the World Para 
Ice hockey championships. Canada is going to be taking on the uh, Koreans a little later on. Canada's first game, Korea, is 0-1, and China just beat Norway 5-1. to This is the Sports Cage. Your voice of Saskatchewan is 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to Moose Jaw, where we are uh, broadcasting live the sports cage from the uh, World Para Ice Hockey Championship. And Canada is going to play its first game tonight. Tyler McGregor and the gang taking on Korea. Um, and that game's at 7 o'clock or just after 7 o'clock. China, or I uh, checked that. Uh, yeah, China knocked off Norway today 5-1, to outshooting the Norwegians 29-9. to Scoreboard aside, though, what I've never watched sludge hockey live. Wow, outstanding, outstanding effort here from these athletes. I got this text on our text line, powered by the Capital Auto Group, from Mike. Mike uh, said, uh, "Mike O'Shea's a you know what," and um, I just bought tickets for me and my dad for Father's Day, and uh, I'm hoping Mike O'Shea gets in the line of a fire on a tackle on the sidelines. Well, Michael Shea could probably still hold his own a little bit. He was a borderline dirty linebacker, very physical. I just don't like the fact that he uh, either doesn't care, which I think is what it is, or is clueless when it comes to the fact we're in sports entertainment now. And uh, as media types, we want to present the product the best way we can. And you'll say, ah, oh, well, it's just a media beef. Well, no, but the media is the voice of the teams and the uh, voice of the league. And if we're trying to promote the league, it'd be nice if he gave us the depth charts. And if he doesn't want to give us the depth charts, to give us a regular um, roster that's numerical. Not numerical just by uh, position, but numerical. Like, I don't know why we got to jump through hoops. Uh, speaking of head coaches, it's time to get to this. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. McDougal Auctioneer is sponsoring this segment where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. Coach Craig Dickinson in Saskatoon. Coach, have you ever watched this pair of hockey stuff, man? This is my first time watching it live, and unbelievable athletes. I was saying this earlier. The American team, I saw some of the guys down uh, down in the bowels of the rink here, and a lot of them are former military guys that lost their limbs in uh, in war uh, or doing some sort of military action, and their chest and traps and their back, just huge to go up and down with your arms and shooting, passing with both hands. It is, when people say able-bodied, we're able-bodied. Uh, 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 uh. Those are able-bodied people on that ice surface. Yeah, lots of respect to them, Michael. I, I have not seen um, one of those hockey games in person, but I've certainly seen the highlights of it, and I know about it. So, it's yeah, it is amazing the things things they can do, you know. Um, and it's like that old thing. Um, a lot of times you forget all the things you can do, even when you don't have all your limbs. And those guys, very impressive stuff. For sure, man. Uh, I got to ask you this, just as a generic thing. Over the years, uh, uh, the uh, the athlete has changed in the CFL. Do you sometimes? I know you're focused on the game, but you're on the sidelines. You're in the thick of battle. Do you do you sometimes catch yourself looking at this like, man, these guys, these dudes are fast. This is fast, exciting action. When you got the the best seat in the house. Yeah, I do. You know, sometimes I'll turn to my 
special teams coordinator, Kent McGeary, and I'll say, man, these guys are something else because they'll do something every once in a while that just amazes you. And you forget sometimes you're around it all the time. You, you sometimes take it for granted. But these guys are phenomenal athletes, and they can do things that your average human can't. I think that's why people pay money to go, go watch them. For sure, Coach. Okay, so you've had a chance to break things down. We talked to you fresh after the game, and you're always kind to talk then, but you've had a chance to break things down and go through the practice today. What was the message to the guys today after looking at the film? Well, the first thing we told them is we got to get in better shape. We, I felt like our conditioning wasn't as, as good as it should have been, and we had 70 guys dressed, so I told them we need to get in better shape. So we pushed them pretty hard today, and they did even some running at the end of practice. Uh, we're going to push them again tomorrow and push them even harder tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll dial it back on uh, on Wednesday because we leave on Thursday. But the message was just keep playing, you know, keep playing and, and keep working on your game. But let's let's make a special emphasis on trying to sprint to the football and see if we can get our conditioning a little better. Coach, I'm not going to make too much of penalties in preseason because, you know, a lot of guys are just f- figuring out the league for the first time in game action. Um, but there were a couple of penalties that you kind of touched on after the game, you know, uh, Lake Corte Moore, even Nelson Lacombo, who is physical, which I like, but he took a couple of kind of goofy penalties there. That's something you obviously you just want to keep pounding home to these guys. No doubt. You know, we had uh, four penalties that were URs, which is too many. Now, two of them were on uh, on that play where our quarterback got hit late uh, and our O-line was trying to defend the quarterback. But there's other ways you can do it. We had one on a missed field goal where a guy's trying to make a tackle and he, he got up high around the head area of the of the returner. And then we had the one on Lake. So those four, we got to clean those four up. And then the other, you know, the other ones that we had were technique ones and decision-making, to be quite honest. So that's, uh, you know, that's my – my mandate this year, and I told the team that from day one, and it's not going to change, Michael. I'm going to be on them constantly about playing smarter football, making better decisions, and cleaning it up. So it's it just a, another day, and we're just going to keep pounding away, and, and I think it's going to pay off eventually. Overall, just as a whole, uh, how did you like your offense under Kelly Jeffrey for the first time? Yeah, I enjoyed watching it. I, I, it was quick. I thought we were we were to the line quickly. I thought we were efficient in terms of of getting guys in and out, and you know, and didn't take any sacks. So oh, that was a, that was a nice start. We know it's going to be more challenging as we see teams uh, that have more in defensively, and as we get to the regular season. But all in all, I was pleased in that first game. And like we said, it is the first game. You don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low in this sport, especially in the preseason. Let's talk about the tackles, though. What did or didn't you see from your tackle play in that game? Well, they moved better than than we expected. I mean, we weren't quite sure what we were going to see in terms of the the ability to block the speed rush off the edge, but I thought 62 did a good job on it, and I thought 57 for us. Uh, Lofton also played well. Uh, We didn't have... Uh, Hawkins, who we feel like is going to be one of our best tackles playing in the game, so that made that made me feel good as well. And um, you know, they they didn't do a lot of twists or a lot of stunts or anything like that. But I thought, for the most part, you know, when we were able to go man for man, our guys were able to hold up and and keep them off the quarterback. 
Coach, Evan Johnson has been battling with uh, Logan Furland for that, uh, you know, first team reps, and I think Logan Furland uh, really asserted himself well in that game. Luke's looking for a big year from him. I, I, I just kind of, when I watch Evan Johnson, and I am no offensive line expert by any stretch, so I'm not going to be overly critical here, but I would say he just seems like he's lacking a little confidence right now. It feels like, you know, you talk about confidence for a receiver or kicker or quarterback, but O-lineman too, and I just feel like maybe he's a little bit lacking in the confidence department. Do you see any signs of that when you're when you're watching? Uh, I don't, but you know, it, it's they're only human, so I'm sure you know. I'm sure that whole group after you know last year probably uh, feels like the spotlight's maybe a little more on them than you than normal. I think Evans had a good camp. I think sometimes um, you know uh, he, he maybe is, is more um, mistakenly pointed out as being being the problem or maybe an issue in protection when I think he's actually had a pretty good camp and, and I didn't see a lot of issues with him in that game. So I hope Evan feels good about his game. We sure um, value him and feel like we can win with him. Um, and, you know, it's going to be great to see how it shakes out inside with, with Blake, Logan, Evan Johnson, and Godber. I mean, those are, those mm-hmm. are some good football players. We only got three spots for those four guys. So I'm going to let it play out, but I, I will say this, if Evan's having some confidence issues, I don't necessarily see it, and I don't think he should be because I think he's playing pretty well. Well, good. That's good. Uh, then you've uh, made me feel, like I said, I'm not an offensive line uh, expert at all. Uh, but it does speak to a little bit more of your depth in the interior there, I think, which is a good sign. You know, Bandy started at center uh, in the last game but had some meaningful reps last year. So I think you, you ha- probably have a little more depth there. And I actually, uh, your uh, draft pick, Evan Floor, made a couple nice plays in that game, I thought. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't embarrassed himself. You know, he's come in and done a good job. You know, he's a young player. This is his. A big step up for him, but he's shown a lot of a lot of scrappiness. He got the one hold late in the game. That was one of our penalties, Evan, and he knows why it was called. And we talked about it as a team. Why was this called, and what would you do differently next time? So, yeah, I'm 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 proud of the old line. And here's the other thing: they're working so hard. They all they, they love football. They've got a, a great demeanor about them. They got an outstanding coach, and Anthony Vitale, and, and they're really really doing a good job this camp. Hey, Coach, I got a text on our uh, text line powered by Capital Auto Group. It's from Jim. It seems silly to me, uh, Coach, to truck everyone back to Saskatoon after the first preseason game, then over to uh, Winnipeg. Wouldn't it be more beneficial to keep the team in Regina after the first preseason game? I don't know if you can weigh in on that or if you know the reasoning well, behind I that. I know you just coach the guys. You aren't necessarily excited to get back on the bus either, Jim, but, but we we have to do what we're told to do. and. And the truth of the matter is Regina's airport's getting fixed up right now, so we have to fly out of Saskatoon. And uh, and we're still in training camp, so it was really no big deal to get on the bus for a couple hours. We got back here about midnight and, uh, you know, had a, we're still able to get seven or eight hours of sleep and then get to work. So this is a good setup up here. We like having training camp up here, and we're still in training camp. So um, it's, uh, we'll be home soon enough. Okay, Coach, we've got a few more texts. We're going to take a break and let you address those. It uh, has to do with quarterbacks and other things. This is the Sports Cage and the Craig Dickinson Show inside the Sports Cage for McDougal Auctioneers live from Mooshka. He's in Saskatoon here on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back. We continue our conversation weekly on Mondays with Coach Craig Dickinson for McDougal Auctioneers. Coach Brent wants to know your thoughts on the quarterback play and if you've come up with a plan behind Trevor Harris because he's got to get some snaps against Winnipeg. Yeah, I thought the quarterbacks all played well in that preseason game, and because of that, we're going to play them all again in this next one. And as far as reps, we're still working through that, but Trevor needs probably a quarter to a quarter and a half of work, and then we'll get the other three reps after that. But, you know, it's as clear as mud right now at that number two and three position, but we're going to push them hard tomorrow in practice, give them all another game, and hopefully we can make the right decision on that. We feel good about all three of them. We may end up who knows? We'll see what happens, but they've all done a nice job. Yeah, you only dressed two quarterbacks last year. When you have uh, when you have three as good as uh, you know three good ones, would you consider maybe dressing a, a third quarterback all year? Is that a wasted yeah, roster yeah. spot? I think, Ballsy, I think they changed the rule on that. I think they're allowing us to dress a third one now. I okay. think that was one of the the new okay. things. So I think every team will have three on the on the on the field every game. So um, oh, that's, that's good. That's I mean, good. you're paying yeah. them anyway. So we'll have three on the roster. Um, maybe I was even impressed have one with Who knows? Yeah, I was impressed with Dolagala. I think Jake's biggest problem uh, has been inconsistency. He'll throw a pick six in practice. On the next play, he'll throw in between two defenders for a touchdown, and then the next play, it'll be high and wide. For the most part, I thought he was poised. He made some great throws, and also got two first downs with his legs. Yeah, he did a good job. Uh, he's got really good pocket presence. He's, he's very tall, so he sees things well. And yeah, I, mean, I thought he had a nice game. You know, he showed showed that he's a good football player. Uh, Sarah wants to know what did you make of your uh, punting uh, battle so far? Boy, that was even as well. Uh, I thought Corey did a nice job. Probably his best. He had his probably his best practice the day before the game, and then I thought he played well in the game. Uh, Adam. Probably not his best game, but he did have one good one and one not as good one. Um, you know, that's that's going to be another battle that will be fun to watch because they're both high-level players, and um, we'll just keep keep throwing them out there, and hopefully uh, the cream rises to the top, so to speak, in that in that position battle. Now, when, when I look at it, Luke and I were talking about this, would we be reading too much into it if we saw Corey Vedvik uh, kick a field goal where Coach Dickinson and his special teams quarter, Kent Majuri, are already thinking, okay, if we get an injury to Lothar, we have to see you know, if this guy could kick a field goal or not. Would that maybe uh, point to the fact that he has an inside track to getting that job? Uh, maybe. I mean, the thing is, Corey kicked in the NFL. I mean, he actually kicked in, in games down there, yeah. so he might be a better kicker if you had to compare the two, then a punter. But uh, we have, I think, um, if not the best, certainly one of the top kickers in the league at Brett Lauder. So that job's not open. Um, but we, we did want to see how Corey would do it. I thought he kicked well. You know, he hit the ball. That was a windy get game, and it was a, t- a tough game to kick in, especially going south. Um, but I thought Corey kicked the ball well and, and certainly uh, showed himself to be a, a Competent backup kicker if we need him to do it. Hey, you know what? Um, it, it's it, kudos to the CFL or whoever made the decision. I, I was wondering. I'm up in the booth and I'm like, Hey, we're a timeout. We're a t- we didn't take another timeout, so I tried to squeeze one in because I've got a I've got a log on my radio rost- uh, radio broadcast. I got to get in so many commercials. But I guess they skipped a couple timeouts to beat this storm. Which uh, kudos to the CFL or whoever made that decision. Yeah, they told us they, they were going to run it, do running clock, and they just wanted our permission, uh, Rick and I, Rick Campbell and, and my permission. And, of course, 
whenever that light needs moving in, we don't want to be out there any longer than, than anyone else. So we both said, yeah, keep that thing moving and let's get this game rolling. So that's what happened. It, it changed the end of the game for sure. Probably cost BC a chance, you know, to, to, to try to get a few first downs, but it also allowed us the ability to run out the clock and, and practice those end of the game scenarios, which was, which was good for us. Which really is what it's all about. Hey, you were, you said, Hey, I want to see if these American linebackers can, uh, can play special teams because we're going to need to have them do that if we're going to have them on the roster. How did you see your, uh, linebacking core shake down there? I thought they did good. You know, again, it's, there's so many players coming in and it's, it's hard to see, yeah. you know, in terms of all of them, but I, I feel like our, our American linebackers are all good football players. And now the question is, is the, is their skill set going to suit the CFL game? And there's a few of them that were their tongues were dragging a little bit. So they got to get, get in a little better shape, but I think for the most part they represented themselves well. I think that's a, that's a really good point because when I interviewed C.J. Revis and I said, what's the biggest difference? He goes, you got to run all day long. <laughs> like you got to run all day long. And that really, I think that's a real eye-opener for these Americans that come down here, or up here, pardon me. No question. It, it's just a different pace. The field is so much bigger. Uh, yeah, it's not easy. That's probably the hardest thing uh, to to understand is how much running. We tell them even before they come up is run as much as you can, sprint as much as you can, and if uh, you think you're in shape, then run a little bit more. Because <laughs> you're not you're not in shape when you get up there. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, coach, I'll let you go here. I know it's been a busy day, but one, one more question for you. When will you just like, what is your mindset in terms of veterans and how much you're going to, you know, cause it's your last tune up before uh, a, a pretty meaty stretch here in these first seven games. Yeah. We're going to try to get them a full quarter to, if, if not a half in this game, just to try to get them some rhythm. I think it's important they play a little bit. And then once we feel like we've, gotten them enough like there's a little checklist i have of situations i want our ones to get once they've completed their checklist so to speak we'll get them out and and rest them and get the other guys out there because we we have some tough decisions to make because we feel we got some good twos and threes on this team and we want to make sure and keep the right guys and, and give them a chance to show that they they deserve to be on the team i think that's the positive of all this like uh as a staff, as an organization, I think you guys have done a really good job in terms of, you know, for the most part, free agency. Granted, we haven't seen the, you know, things flying for real, but um, I think uh, just from what I can see in camp and in this first game, like, I think you leave that game if I'm a rider. Hey, we got our twos and threes look like they stack up pretty good with the BC Lions twos and threes. Like, I like what you guys have done in camp so far. Yeah, I, you know, you know how I am. I'm not, I'm not a big predictor, but we got a chance. We we got we've got a, a good core group of players, and I think we got guys that like to work. And uh, like I said, patience and process. That's where we're stressing with our team, and I I hope the fans uh, buy into that as well. I think by the end of the year, we're going to be a pretty good football team. Well, coach, it's always great to talk to you. Have yourself a good day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, my man. We'll talk to you later. Take care. That's Coach Craig Dickinson for McDougal Auctioneers. When we come back, it's press coverage with Glenn Suter from or for Quality Tire from Vancouver, and then we will hear from um, Ryan Robbins, who's with Hockey Canada. We'll uh, let you get in on what's going on here in Moose Jaw at the World Para Hockey Championships. This is the Sports Cage. The Voice of Saskatchewan is 620 CKRM. 
533 with the sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed American offensive lineman Adonis Boone and American wide receiver Isaiah McCoy. Now, Boone most recently attended rookie camp with the New Orleans Saints following the 2023 NFL draft. And Isaiah McCoy, he signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers as an undrafted free agent after the 2021 NFL draft. Dressing in uh, two preseason games, he went on to join the practice roster uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. And yes, Isaiah McCoy also started training camp this year with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So welcome back to Ryerville. Around the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Red Sox report for the Canadian Brew House. You can enjoy the NHL at the CBH Saturday nights with a dollar off tankards. It's been a rocky back and forth few days to start the WCBL season for the Regina Red Sox. We had a monsoon flooding in on Saturday. And then a rough outing on the mound yesterday. But with that all said and done, the Sox sit at 2-2 two and two through the first weekend of the season. Pitching was a problem for Regina yesterday as Whitby, Ontario's Jonathan Henry, uh, he struggled to find the zone. Starting from the warm-ups onward, he could not locate his pitches as Moose Jaw came away with a 7-1 to win yesterday afternoon at Curry Field. In front of a nice crowd, 651 fans took in the game yesterday. The storyline of the game, though, was the starting pitcher for the visitors. Ethan Merck carried a perfect game into the eighth inning. But Dylan Edmonds of the Sox, he closed the perfecto book with a line drive base hit into right field. And it wasn't all bad on the hill for the Red Sox at the end of the day. Zach Wisluski of Phoenix, Arizona, he came in and recorded two shutout innings. So didn't start off very good for Regina, but it ended not so bad. So hopefully if you're a Red Sox fan, you could carry some of that momentum into tomorrow night as the two teams are back at it on Tuesday night at Roswell's Park in Moose Jaw with the first pitch slated for 7.05. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second alone, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. We didn't get a hold of Glenn Suter. Got this text at 936-6262, our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. Hey, Ballsy, great show. I'm not a fan of Mike O'Shea's antics, but you can't argue with this. The guy has six great cup rings, two more than our entire team history. Regarding our team this year, I love the moves made on the O-line. Harris at quarterback will help, and Coach Dickinson sounds like he has jacked up his expectations and accountabilities, which frankly seemed to be missing last year. Going to finish 10-8 and 8 and make the playoffs. Go Riders, Matt. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not arguing with Mike O'Shea's success. I'm just arguing with how he acts, and I'm glad I got Glenn Suter here for press coverage, and it's brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations to serve you in Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. You must have the same beef as me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not looking forward to this game in Winnipeg on, um, on Friday, and it's because 
Not because I don't want to go to Winnipeg. Not because I don't love my job. I don't like my job when a guy like Mike O'Shea doesn't buy into uh, promotion of the league. Like last game, he didn't give out depth charts and didn't give numerical rosters, uh, you know, like 1 to 99. It was all positionally. Like, Come on, man. This isn't 1985. We know, like, I don't understand this. I think this guy should be fined until he agrees to comply because it's the CFL, not the O'Shea Football League. <laughs> well, that's that's very true, and there is no one player, coach, uh, color analyst, play-by-play man in the league that's bigger than the game. That's for sure. Um, you know, with, with regards to this in particular, you know, I don't know the details, obviously, but... You know, Darren Cameron has been pretty good with, uh, he's their PR director with, um, you know, depth charts for me in the regular season and things like that. I'm sure in the regular season you've had that. I don't know if this was a mistake on their part or they deliberately tried to, you know, not give out depth charts so that they could try to fool someone. That that to me is the crux of this. And, And, Michael, we have been at TSN, just so you know, behind the curtain here, fighting for depth charts and accurate you know, rosters for probably the last, well, as long as I've been involved, which is over 27 years as an analyst. And it it just boggles the mind that it's taken this long, just the last couple of years, where we actually do get our Zoom calls back, at, you know, two days before kickoff, three days before kickoff. We actually do get accurate rosters and depth charts. Because, you know, what there's two things that the coaches have to understand. I don't care what level it's at. If, if you think that you can trick uh, the other team by not telling them who's playing on your team, you're sending the exact opposite message. You, first of all, you're not tricking anybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing because after series number one, you know, who's playing and who cares. So that, that doesn't work. Secondly, the message as a coach you're sending when you are playing games like that and trying to hide guys on the roster or not put an accurate depth chart out, you're actually sending a message to your players that you're so worried about this other team that you have to try to trick them to try to win this game because we're not good enough to just beat them man for man when we go out on the field and cross the strike. That's the message you're giving your team. I, I used to hate it as a player when a coach – would say, oh, well, we're not going to give them the full depth chart. We're not going to get the media. I mean, I don't, you know, I, at the time as a player, I didn't care about the, the media getting or whatever. I didn't understand it all until I yeah. got into the media. But but I do know that as a player, I thought, why, why are you worried about telling them who's playing? Like, yeah. do you, are you that worried that we can't beat this team? Yeah. I mean, and like I said, it has nothing to do with Mike O'Shea, the coach, or Mike O'Shea's success. It speaks for itself. It just, it has to do with, it's sports entertainment. It's, it, it is sports entertainment, and you only help your product by cooperating for the most part with the media. Um, okay. So you did get a chance to take in, uh, the, the preseason games on CFL.ca. I know our, uh, our radio and stream wasn't synced the whole time. People were kind of complaining about that, but you got the gist of the game. I really like, I had Coach Dickinson on here, I really like the depth the riders have brought in, both free agency and what they've acquired in the offseason to bring into training camp. There'll be some tough decisions, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. Great. And we've talked about depth. The guy behind you and the depth chart being so important because whether you're an all-star or not, 
if that guy behind you is good enough to be a starter right now, you're going to be better and you're better as a team. So the bad, the tough decisions are a good thing for a coach. Uh, you know, a few observations from the preseason. Yeah, I, I lost the feed for a good part of the third and, and start of the fourth. But um, I'll tell you what, the, the observations that I would make off the top are just, first of all, the, the, the aspect of the game that you can't measure, which is to finding a way to win. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to you have to figure out and learn how to win games, how to finish, how to how to you know whether you're behind in the in the score going into the fourth quarter or ahead on the scoreboard going into the fourth quarter. You have to figure out a way to make those key plays to win the game. They did that, and you know preseason whatever doesn't matter. That's part of the learning process. I like some obviously Picton made some catches. Lenius made some catches. I thought Onyeka made some plays. Lacombo, those are the Canadian guys that I thought, these guys are going to be contributors. They're playing with great confidence. You see them running the routes when they don't get the ball, a couple of blocks when they didn't get the ball. I was watching away from the, the play at times, and I thought I saw some good things from a lot of the Canadian talent. You know, Michael, you got to have good Canadians to win in the CFL. And I, and I thought the quarterbacks competed well. I mean, you know, Dollar Gala looked good. Um, you know, started out a little bit, kind of like he was uh, a little slow on his release. But but beyond that, he put together a few good drives. And you know, I thought the quarterbacks, be, you know, that will be behind Trevor, really showed well. And and again, quarterback Canadians, there's your keys. And I and I thought they did very well. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. You get a guy like Deontay Williams uh, played well on special teams. Number twenty-four had an interception. Yet he right. could have a very tough time making the team just because that's a position. Uh, you know, the secondary is uh, in pretty good shape for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, you're right, and you know that's another guy that because of our hit on Thursday, I I checked, tried to watch Dalkey a little bit. And I thought he had great command. I thought, you know, I can tell him trying to talk to guys and, and organize at the defense, especially when you have rotation in preseason and you're seeing a lot of different players at different times. So, you know, it looked like he was showing some leadership back there. And, and again, the, the big problem last year, as we all know, was the coordination between protection, play calling, and the quarterback's release. And, the the coordination in that regard, a little bit better protection up front, it looked like. The quarterback timing, better. Release of the ball, better. And the play calling to work together, again, I, I, I just saw some good things. So, yeah, again, preseason, don't read into it too much, good or bad. But there were some good things out there in that BC game. The First and foremost, though, is finding a way to win. Yeah, and you know what? Lastly, we've got about a minute left, Glenn. Um, yeah, like you mentioned a good point. Coordination, chemistry, it's the greatest team sport in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just because of that. Absolutely. Just, just, because, yep. just, be, just because of that, right? And, and, and you're right, on offense, if the line's not there, then the quarterback's off in his timing, then the release point isn't right, he's not on his spot, and the whole play's off. Yeah, I, I saw great fundamentals, so... You know, it didn't matter who was playing quarterback. Let's say Fine was in there and his drop coordinated with the protection and how the tackles would push the ends past him if it was a short drop or try to keep them in front of him if it was a deeper drop. And the timing with the receivers, if you're five-step, there's certain lengths of routes that you can run. If you run too far, you got your back to the quarterback, you're not helping anybody. So that that entire coordination, and give Kelly Jeffrey some, some credit there coming out of camp, 
it looked like they were, you know, they had rehearsed that timing well, and it showed. Len, thanks for your time, man. We'll catch up with you later in the week. Thanks. Okay, Michael. Thank you. Take care. That's Glenn Suter joining us for press coverage. It's brought to you by Quality Tire. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with a member of Hockey Canada to talk about this event, Shaken Down in Moose Jaw, here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.